possible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. That's idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That's the idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. All right, glad to have you with us on this terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. That's right. We get to vent our frustrations. Well, Frank does that just about every day anyway. So Two two hours ain't enough for that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Terrible. We only vent our sports frustrations. This is true. You include the whole world. Yeah. It's a tele, it's a radiothon. I know. And I got to listen to it you know, during the breaks as well, too. All right. But you have your Coke. You're you're Mr. Happy today. I can already see it. Yeah, maybe not. I'm a Coke every day. I know. He's a Cokehead. Literally. I have a Coke problem. Yeah. I can only afford the liquid. <laughs> he is Ballpark VGK Frank, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. He's appearing daily and sometimes nightly. Two shows a night. Speed dial four. For Ballpark Frank. No, nightly it's in front of my big screen. <laughs> With uh, plenty of Coca-Cola. There you go. I got a refrigerator for something. You're going to see water and Coke in there. That's kind of about it. B.J. Armstrong, the three-time NBA champ, Chicago Bulls. He will join us today as we talk the NBA play-in tournament, which actually starts in a matter of moments. And uh, the big game, kind of looking forward to that one tomorrow. The Warriors and the Lakers, they will play tomorrow so we'll dive into some NBA talk with B.J. Armstrong. Steve Sachs will join us a little bit later on. We talk some Major League Baseball. Uh, another vicious hit-by-pitch we saw last night in the Braves-Mets game with Kevin Pillar. We'll uh, dive into that. Uh, very concerning with more hit-by-pitches. We talked about the Bryce Harper uh, being hit in the face and Kevin Pillar uh, hit in the face also last night. Very bloody mess, uh, You know, breaking his nose. You think it's even more dangerous in this era? And I'm curious to see what Steve has to say about this. But with every team having multiple guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour or so, and and the fact that they're all so used to crowding the plate because pitchers don't pitch inside, that when one gets away and it goes inside, they're generally not ready for it. They're defenseless. you know. And and you could also make that argument uh, for pitchers as well, too. I mean, one of the main reasons they are talking about pushing back the rubber at least a foot is to protect those pitchers because a lot of times pitchers, you know, can't even don't even have the time to at least deflect the ball. And uh, I, I saw a two games last night where two boom boom just like that again last night where a pitcher almost got his head taken off. So so they're yeah. going to move back the rubber to protect pitchers and then destroy their arms because their breaking balls won't work the exactly. same. Exactly. Yeah. So by yeah. protecting them, they're going to injure them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great theory. We've talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> The game of Major League Baseball, and you know, and we'll talk we'll talk more in detail about this later. But again, you can fix this situation by doing a, a better version of the helmet. You know, and I know a lot of people don't like to do the face mask thing or whatever, but you do what women's softball does. Okay, and same situation, except you're talking about being forty three feet away, 
and having these pitchers throw 70-plus miles an hour from 43 feet away. So, as you said, 95, and a lot of movement. 100, yes. Women's softball, if you, don't, if you haven't watched women's softball, <laughs> those, the rise ball, yeah. the, I mean, those things move around a lot. And we know the Major League Baseball players do not want to use those type of helmets with a face mask. But I'm telling you, it, it protects them, and it takes the, that whole argument that equa- it, it's out of the equation. You don't even have, have to worry about that. And we've seen women get hit in the face mask, and the ball just ricochets off, and they trot, trot down to first base. But we're seeing more and more of these situations with Major League Baseball, and that is the way you can fix it. And, of course, players will say, no, you know. And it, it goes back to the old you know, NHL days. I mean, going way back when. Oh, you know, I remember when the Blackhawks, some of the players, when if, if you they weren't were in the league. They were grandfathered in. Yeah, they were grandfathered right. in. They still didn't have to wear helmets, right. and a lot of them didn't. Yeah. I just find it interesting that you're talking about mandating possibly a face mask thing in this day and age. Boy, are some people going to go crazy over that. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but check it out. It's really hypocritical. Because what is Major League well, Baseball? The whole, people are hypocritical. That doesn't stop them from protesting and complaining about everything. No, the point of the matter is that Major League Baseball is so proactive at what these days? It is trying to protect the players. Okay, we've got rid of the vicinity rule at, at second base. We got uh, the, the, the catcher now you know, cannot camp out in front of home plate because of the Buster Posey rule. I mean, all of that is to protect player safety, right? So here's one that's like right in the middle of your face, literally, easy fix. Uh, okay, we construct a helmet that protects players' faces because all it's going to take is one person to either die from this or to have a massive head injury or brain injury. And specifically, if it's a player that's a high-profile player like a Bryce Harper, then what would all the talk be? Right now, no one's really even talking about it. Well, it's Kevin Pillar. That's terrible to think that. But I watched this thing happen last night. I watched the Bryce Harper thing happen two weeks ago live, and I'm cringing. And you know, we've got some audio of, of the Kevin Pillar hit last night. I mean, it's it's pretty gruesome. But you know, Bryce Harper said, "Okay, shook it off." You know, you know, went to the clubhouse, came back, played the next day. Pillar, I don't know if he's going to be as fortunate, but it's a serious issue. Well, it definitely is, and it always has been in baseball, and, and it's gone on forever, and it's it's kind of weird when you think about it that it's taken them over 100 years to actually even think about addressing this stuff. Yeah. I guess they did a little way by, first off, making guys wear helmets, because think of way back when they did. Remember, they never had then, the ear the, flap. Yeah, then, then they put right. the ear flap in. Yeah. But, I mean, you think of old guys like Don Zimmer and that, and I know I'm going way back. I don't even remember him playing. But he became a coach and a manager because his career was ended because he got hit in the head a, a couple times or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's always been an issue with baseball, but it's kind of one of those things, like you said, it's the macho man mentality of rub a little bit of dirt on it and move forward. All right. Terrible Tuesday. We're off to an early start. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, we know that Tim Tebow has been invited to the Jacksonville Jaguars training camp. Me personally, I do not understand why all the Tim Tebow hate. And it's all coming from the media. So Jacksonville invited him to to training camp to try to make their football team. Actually to try to help this football team. And the media has blasted this move. 
Now, Tim Tebow, as we know, has been out of football since 2012. He's been playing baseball in the Mets organization. Again, pretty good baseball player, but we saw this with Michael Jordan. Didn't work out. Tim Tebow has been a football player his entire life and a very good football player. Jacksonville has worked him out three times over the last couple months. And all three times, coaches have said, wow, this guy can play. You know, we, we understand he played quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, played in the NFL, won a playoff game with the Denver Broncos, but still got all kinds of hate. And people didn't think that, you know, because of his arm mechanics and other things of that nature, that he could play quarterback. I mean, he got talked out of the league basically by a lot of GMs and a lot of the media. So now Tim Tebow would like to come back. He'd like to play in Jacksonville close to home. He'd like to play for Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer would like to have him on his team uh, as his college coach. But Urban Meyer has been very cautious about this. Urban Meyer did not even watch Tim Tebow work out. His coaches worked him out. And they came back to Urban Meyer and said, man, this guy can play. I I think that he could play tight end. He could help us. And Urban Meyer says, well, yeah. (laughs) You know, this guy is an incredible athlete. He's an incredible football player. They said he is just a, a freak or a maniac of of being a competitor in you know working out and all that sort of thing. And that's what Urban Meyer said about him. He said that right. he's the most competitive person he's ever met. Exactly. So what is the harm here? This is what I don't understand. That people are saying, oh, he could be taking up another position for another tight end or whatever, that sort of thing. He got invited to training camp. Him and 89 guys got invited to training camp where he may or may not make the team. They're not shelling out a big signing bonus. There's not even a guaranteed contract here. And more importantly, who is this for? The Jacksonville Jaguars, a 1-15 football team that is a mess right now. Lay off of Tim Tebow. Root the guy on. If he is one of the, the best 53, put him on this team. And obviously he's wowing people because, yes, this guy is an incredible football player. Could probably play any position you want. I still believe he could be a quarterback in the National Football League. Got short there because he was with the wrong team, with the wrong coach, with the wrong organization, all that goes into it. You could have made that same argument for Steph Curry. If he doesn't get with the Warriors and get an opportunity, no one gave him a shot. But Tim Tebow, maybe a tight end? Who knows? Give it a shot. And I know one thing Urban Meyer will do. He will give him a shot. He's not going to patronize him because he's already coming under fire thinking he's giving this guy preferential treatment. That's the last thing he wants. That's why he hasn't even attended any of the workouts. But be a man, Urban Meyer. If you believe that he can play and he's going to help your football team and be good for your locker room, then sign the guy if he has shown during training camp he can make this football team. Well, you talked about a lot of different things there. Number one is if he makes a team, he's not taking a job away from somebody else. Mm-hmm. He beats somebody else right. out for the job because they're not going to put him on the team. Urban Meyer is way too competitive to put somebody on a team just to do a favor because you helped me win a national championship and won a Heisman Trophy for me you know, a decade or so ago. It's not how Urban Meyer works. And I think he's not going to these workouts and that because he's going to say, if you can wow the coaches, the position coaches and that, and show that you earned the job, then I'll give a look, and then we'll see what happens here. And it's not like Tim Tebow's been handed everything. He tried baseball. It didn't work out for him. We didn't see him on a major league roster. It wasn't a publicity stunt. He tried to actually make it. He didn't. So he has failed before. 
I'm not as sold on you that he could play quarterback in the NFL, at least not at a high level or whatever, but he had he did have some success, and something magical does happen when he hits the football field. But I have no problem with giving him a tryout here. If he makes it, fine. And if you don't like him, then hope that he doesn't make the team. But what does Jacksonville have to lose by letting anybody with real football talent try out for any position there? Like you mentioned, they're a horrible football team. They've been bad for a while. There's a reason that they always go over to London because I I still think the owner wants to be, if they ever move a team to London, I think he wants to be that team. But I got nothing against him, Tebow, trying out. If he tries out, good. If he doesn't make it, then you can say, see, what a joke it was. And if he does, then he's going to make it because he earned it. Urban Meyer doesn't put losers on a field because he knows it's going to be his job that goes next. Great football player, great teammate, nothing wrong with this at all. And actually, it's a pretty good story if people would give it a shot. Well, you know what's even worse than the Tim Tebow thing, getting a tryout? How about if somebody told you to come to a football program and try out for the team, and then you found out, what are you talking about, man? We never called you. (laughs) Wontarius Bryant, who was a all-conference defensive back at Austin P, had a really good career there, got a call and was told to head to the Atlanta Falcons training camp for a tryout on Wednesday, May 12th, because they were going to give him an open tryout. He wasn't drafted, but they got some of his footage and that, and he was going down there. So he left his wife and kid, got on a plane, flew down to Atlanta, getting ready for the tryout, got to the Falcons training camp, and they said, What are you doing here, man? Somebody trolled him. He didn't. They never called. He he was told that the defensive coordinator called him and wanted him. They used his name in that. They said that he knew his coach in college and everything, so he was all excited. Thought he had one more shot to make his dream a reality. Said he was absolutely crushed. Doesn't hold the Falcons culpable for it because they didn't know anything about it. But somebody actually thought it was funny to troll this guy. This poor guy thinks I've got one more shot at my NFL dream and goes down there and finds out, nope, you were never even invited. You know, somebody who trolls somebody like that, I really hope karma exists. Well, talk about all the effort that would need to go into that. Because when an NFL team calls you, Okay, you're, you're, you're talking to a, dir- a director of player personnel. Then you're handed off to a guy who's going to handle the travel and all that sort of thing. So either, I mean, it wasn't that elaborate. that said, hey, just come on down. I mean, I would have been leery if I'm the football player. But if the normal procedure happened and somebody you know, did this trolling an actual NFL executive and they knew the procedures to go through, that's a heck of a lot of work. And, and, and for this... I mean, that's just it's just a dirty trick to it's play on somebody. It's a high-level troll, but it's, it's, it's really, horrible. really a nasty thing. It's to, nasty. To it's literally make somebody think their dream is still there, knowing that their heart is going to get ripped out upon arrival at the practice facility. All right, so a guy who is going to be playing some football this year, rookie offensive tackle from the Baltimore Ravens, Ben Cleveland. Yes, you know his nickname? Big Country. We've seen a couple other big countries, you know. Any basketball player from Oklahoma State? Yeah, Brian Reeves. (laughs) But here's the funny thing. There's another big country already on the Baltimore Ravens. That's what's kind of crazy. Tyree Phillips was already called big country. so Maybe they can have a tag team match. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we're going to get to that here in a minute, too. So, So big country, as we know, is fond of eating squirrels. That's right. Uh, one day he stayed home from school because he was sick. He's living in Georgia, 
and the only thing in the house to eat was biscuits and nothing else. So he got his gun out, and what did he do? Went out and shot himself some squirrels. So now this thing has gone viral. He had talked to a reporter about this. So obviously when he signed with the Baltimore Ravens, and they drafted him in this past draft, a lot of the press conference that took place was, hey, what's this about your squirrel diet? I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't know if it was a specific diet. It's, it's more so one of those things where, you know, you eat what you got in the freezer uh, from the fall. So, you know, had a few had a few squirrels uh, freeze-dried in there. So, you know, get a little hungry. Ain't got no deer meat left. Fry up a squirrel or two and, uh, you know, just, just go eat that. There you go. All right. Maybe you can add something else to your refrigerator now tonight while you're watching the Golden Knights game. Uh, I think I'm going to pass on that because, first <laughs> off, I don't want to do the cleaning in that. And like he said, a squirrel or two, it doesn't seem like there'd be very much meat on them. Right. I mean, you know, was he out with Ellie Mae by the cement pond when they were making the squirrel? Did Granny do it or something? Was there possum pie for dessert? Ooh. I don't know. Yes. But, um... Beverly Hillbilly reference is strong. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, – yeah, not something that I necessarily want to eat, but, you know, I mean, there are places called the Roadkill Grill and things like that, and there are places where, you know, especially from what I've heard, down south where, you know, if you run it over and kill it, it's doable for dinner, possibly. Fair game. So he was asked, actually, to describe the taste, and here's what he said. He goes, well, it's kind of difficult to describe it. Some squirrels in south Georgia, they'll taste a little bit more nutty. Up here, our acorns and stuff aren't really as strong as the ones down south. Most of them up there, it just seems like squirrel. If you put enough seasoning on it, you can make it taste like anything you want it to taste like. That's from big country, Ben Cleveland going deep into the squirrel diet. At least he didn't say it tastes like chicken or something like that. But apparently, if I'm reading correctly, the taste is all in the nuts. There you go. I'll let you follow that one up. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's go to uh, another guy who some people think is nuts sometimes, but he does a stand-up routine, and I loved him on, on all the UFC events, and he used to do Fear Factor before that, our friend Joe Rogan. Yep. You know, Joe Rogan has recently come out, and he is not a big fan of the woke-slash-cancel culture that is out there today. Says it's ruining the world for people like Joe Rogan. Was recently on a podcast... And he said that the woke cancel culture will silence straight white men and eventually not allow them to talk anymore, that they will basically just be domesticated cats sitting around the living room because everybody else has been so oppressed for so many years and so mistreated that straight white men have no right ever talking about anything ever again, that it's got to stop. We got a lot of backwards ass stories in this terrible Tuesday today. <laughs> I mean, they're all kind of correlated in some way. Like, uh, they're, 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 well, I tried to hatred, follow yours stupidity. with some of the. Uh... That's beautiful. That's that's. Uh, I don't even know what to say to that. Nonsense. Well, remember this: if you've ever seen Joe Rogan's uh, his stand up in that, he talks about doing a lot of different drugs, a lot of different things, including, I believe, smoking or something like that, like the pituitary gland or something like that from the brain and stuff. He's taken some stuff that's really, really weird that he's experimented with. He's a very very strange dude. I think he does a good job, but he's out there. Yeah, he's out there. Wow. All right. Uh, you know, going back to, to big country uh, for a minute, I don't know if you actually saw this guy, what he looks like, 
but he looks like literally a a a big country bumpkin like this. And when I was watching the press conference, Does I said, "Does he look like Jethro Bodine?" <laughs> no, Jethro looked you know pretty fit as we know. He Max Bear Jr. There you go. Yeah. No, he looked nothing like that. Nothing looked like Jed Clampett or even Mr. Drysdale with a suit and tie. No, he looked a lot like Uncle Elmer. You remember Uncle Elmer? Uh, wrestler. Yeah, wrestler. Hillbilly Jim and Uncle Elmer. And so when I was looking at the press conference and someone actually asked him a question about that he looked like a current wrestler uh, in modern day today. And I got thinking, okay, I really don't know who this guy is, but I definitely know who Uncle Elmer is. Well, Ken called me. He didn't just call me. His mama brought him down there to see me. Well, when the Ken comes and Ken asks to help out, Brother, I'm gonna help out, and I'm gonna take care of some business up here and all over the all over the world, wherever he wants me to go. Where I'm gonna take care of some business, and especially one man, the man that done it to me, Beefcake. Uh-huh. Beefcake, you better you better you better run, boy. Listen, that's right. I'm in town now. I'm in town to get you. I'm in town to get anybody else wants 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 to bother Jim. Because when you bother Jim, you bother my, my kin. And my kin is my kin. And you don't do that. That's just like one of my pigs. You don't bother my pigs, and you don't bother my kin. And don't bother the squirrels either, Mr. Ben Cleveland. There you go. So, you know, he's talking about kin as in K-I-N, you know, right. kin. At first, I thought he was talking about a guy named Ken, K-E-N. But oh. no, he's, he's Ken, Uncle Elmer. I thought maybe it was the Greg Ken ban at first, but I go. figured that wasn't it either. Yeah, so. Our love is not in jeopardy right now, my friend. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. But, be, but Beef Chase's future was in jeopardy. First, yeah. That was his first WWF interview, and Hillbilly Jim brought him in as Uncle Elmer. And those old school wrestling fans, they, they know that. But uh, speaking of some old school wrestling fans, uh, this story is not really old school. I guess they're trying to be old school. But I don't know if you heard about the Indiana train wreck wrestling. Now, now Numchuck yeah, is always diving me towards these. You know, all is these, it a hardcore uh, underground oh, organization? Oh, you know it exactly. Okay, and not yeah. even Numchuck so has I, heard I, this I, one. So, I yeah. know of the type oh, of thing. Exactly. By the way, I want to throw yeah. this in real quick about sure. Uncle Elmer. Sure. He was the glue of the kin. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Very nice. So... I'm seeing this video of Indiana train wreck wrestling. Looks like they're in a cafeteria, like tip, these typical independents, low-life organizations, not paying their wrestlers. These guys can't wrestle. This place is trashed. The ring is trashed. Looks like a cafeteria. Garbage all over the ring. And what got my attention about this story is that a guy is laying on the floor outside of the ring on the concrete floor, not the cement pond, but the concrete floor, and another wrestler, who apparently he's working with that night, lights this guy's crotch on fire. Lights his crotch on fire. So the guy gets up, and he's like, it's all part of the the, the storyline here. I mean, if there is a storyline in Indiana train wreck wrestling, then the guy gets up, runs away, and the 10 or so fans that are there tries to pour some bottled water on his crotch, and what does the opponent do? Gets out one of those weed eaters, weed whacker weed eaters, and is like thrusting it against the guy's crotch like this is going to help put out the fire. And then the scene ends of this clip that I'm watching with about a 70-year-old handicapped man rolling through the scene in a motorized, motorized wheelchair. 
This is your Indiana train wreck wrestling, my friend. Did they have a soundtrack going on during the wrestling? Because if they did not play Great Balls of Fire, then they didn't do it right. <laughs> this, this is atrocious. This that is outstanding, by the way, too. No Jerry Lee Lewis on this. But people wanted attention again. But Jerry Lee no Lewis one, was the killer. He was the killer. It's, I, I, I don't know where to go with that. I don't know. All right. You got anything else, man, before we wrap this up? I got one other one that I think you're going to like. Because. No, Chuck is, is, is loving this. He went and Googled the, my story here. And you're loving this, aren't you? Yeah. I can see you being an independent promoter Okay, like well, we're a fan of the female form, correct? Yes. We love female form. Now, what is your thought on breastfeeding? Because some people are for it. Some people aren't. Some people really don't like it in public. Okay. Some people say that it's the right of a woman to I, do it. I think I know where you're going with this. I don't want to see it on television. I don't want to see it in my face. I don't want to I, I don't want to watch it. How's that? Okay, but if you have the option to watch it or not watch it, are you cool with that? Because Tora Bright who is a gold medal snowboarder from Australia, is getting a lot of flack right now because she posted pictures, topless pictures, of her breastfeeding her child. Now, you can look at the pictures or not look at the pictures. She's absolutely just, her mind has been boggled by the fact that so many people are giving her flack over it, especially women, because she said that women should all stay together and do different things. She's actually got one pose where she's standing on her head and her baby is breastfeeding while she's doing it. That's some it's talent. actually a pretty impressive photo. And she says, I can work out on that and nourish my baby at the same time. She's taking a lot of flack about it. But you know what? I'm all for it. If she wants to do it, why not? We've seen people go down on, on snowboards and that kind of stuff. Topless doing it on the mountain. Why not? Give your baby nutrition at the same time while you're getting your workout in. And I'm sure you could Google this, TMZ or whatever to see. I'm not sure uh, who is more talented here. The the lady who's standing basically on her head uh, upright. That is Tora Bright, or, gold medal winner. Right, or the baby. I mean, who's 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 sucking on a nipple there? I, I don't know who's more talented because and, – and here's another thing, too. So basically – I mean, she's topless, the baby's naked, but she's got some, some underwear on. Yes. At, at this point in time, you're in your own backyard. What's the point of even having the underwear on? Let's just, well, let's just because go all she naked. Was, because she knew she was going to be taking photos of oh, it and okay. sending them out to okay. people. Right. So she wanted to be appropriate enough. Okay. But, you know, as far as the baby's concerned, he's got the breast possible situation you can have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'll leave you the, with this one. You know, last week, remember the story that I talked about with that uh, marathon baseball game between the Dodgers and the Angels, and the Dodgers were ahead 13 to nothing, and uh, Clayton Kershaw was trying to break a losing streak. Yeah, and came they out took there everybody out way too early. Exactly, took Kershaw out after the fifth inning, and then it went from you know 13 to nothing to 13 to 1 to 13 to 4 to 13 to 7 to 13. Chipping away, chipping yeah, away. It went to 13 to, to 11, okay, because uh, Dave Roberts – Took out Mookie Betts. He took out, uh, you know, Seager. You know, Justin Turner took out his top three hitters in the lineup, and Clayton Kershaw. And yes, nearly lost the game, but they hung on for a fourteen to eleven victory. Well, I happened to be driving around and listening to the Dodgers broadcast during this this day, and uh, the part that I forgot to add last week was Charlie Steiner is doing the play by play for the Dodgers. He's the, he's the voice of the, of the Dodgers. And he said this, and I, and I quote here. He's talking about how the game has uh, slowed down to a crawling pace here. And the Angels are coming back. He goes, this game feels like the Angels 
are leading the Dodgers 11-14. to That's what he said. Feels like the Angels are leading the Dodgers 11-14. to Now, if you don't know what's wrong with that, then you're really not a, a, a sports fan because you never say the, the losing team score first. It's 14-11. to Everybody knows that. Every announcer knows that. It's not part of the grammar for a professional broadcaster. To hear Charlie Steiner say this, in the second largest media market with the world-famous Los Angeles Dodgers, you should be embarrassed. Have you ever heard anyone at a high level describe a score like that? Actually, I have, and it kind of amazed me when I did it too. But I think in this particular case that he was trying to say that it's, it's such a bizarre situation because it feels like the losing team is winning. I think that's why he said it that way. No, he just made a... a, a you think a, so? I know so, yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't listening, so yeah. I don't know his inflection. Because and I'll tell you, else. because at the end of the at the end of the game, he said the Dodgers win fourteen to eleven. So yeah, he just right, I, but he I, said it, it feels like the Angels are winning eleven to fourteen, saying that you the team can't behind. you can't win eleven to fourteen. But, but I think that was the tongue in cheek thing that he was saying. It feels like the winning team is losing because the Dodgers got out to that big. Yeah. The Dodgers basically went out like. Medina Spirit and Midnight Bourbon got caught in a speed duel and almost got caught down the stretch, but it was Pimlico and not the Belmont, so there wasn't room for Rambauer to catch him. You cannot lead 11-14. to 14. No, you can't, but I think that was the tongue-in-cheek thing you, that he's saying. It, it, I didn't hear. I did. I'm going to give Charlie Steinbrenner, <laughs> Steinbrenner the, uh, you know, the Steiner. benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry. I was just looking at photos of a woman doing a headstand. Um, <laughs> I think you're, you're looking at the baby. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I think that'd be a great Got Milk uh, poster. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't bail this ham and egger out. No announcer does that. I don't know That's if he's a, a ham and egger. He's had a pretty successful career. Really? Good. Really? He made a lot of money. Really? He got let go of ESPN. I don't know. I don't know. That's and, I, and, yeah. he, and he picked I'll, up the Dodger no, gig. No, Why wow, do I feel bad yeah, for him? I understand. Oh my that. God! You're only in the biggest market on the planet, and you got a new World Series yeah. ring. Wow, you ham and egger. He is a ham and, and egger. He might be a steak and yeah. egger, but he's not a ham and egger. <laughs> <laughs> he he is not good. Eleven to four. Nobody says that. No tongue in cheek. No. There's a lot of people that aren't do good that are very successful. You don't do that. There's nobody in Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL. Any any sport that in the NBA that is going to read a score or tell a score that way, it, it's humanly impossible. One Just the base- illiterate do that. One of your baseball opens fig- features yes. the most ridiculously unprofessional announcer of all time. And he never did in it. Harry Carey, right. who probably did do it because yeah. I don't know what he did half the time. Even when he was, was sober, his, he didn't Mr. do that. Cardinal was at Comiskey Park all the time making fun of Budweiser oh, and then did the Cubs. And people loved him. Yes, but he never said the score was 11 to 14. Oh, wait a minute. Where's my Budweiser? Did I say that wrong? Take Kershaw and spell it backwards. It spells Something else. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw backwards is. I don't. You got a terrible Tuesday takes. Hit us. TC Martin 21 on Twitter. VGK Frank on Twitter. There you go. BJ Armstrong. Talk a little NBA. Playing? Tournament? Playing? Next. I do exactly what I want to do. 
It's, it's the, the Doctor. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The Doctor is now in. NBA playoff action begins tonight, believe it or not, with the play-in tournament. What are we thinking about all this? All right, let's bring in the three-time NBA champion who never played in a play-in tournament in his life, whether it was at the NBA level, the collegiate level, because it never existed. B.J. Armstrong joins us. What's going on, B.J.? Oh, man. It's always beautiful, man. Knee deep, George Clinton. Man. You always start my week off. I, I, it, just, it just makes me laugh, and it just brings a smile to my face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just get trapped into the music. Anytime I hear George Clinton, I just, I, 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 I'm like in a trance. So, uh, excuse me, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm doing good. The NBA, the NBA is back. The playoffs are starting to play in, to play out. But all I know is somebody's going to lose, and somebody's got to go home now. So, it's, uh, the games are starting for real. And somebody's going to be knee-deep, right? So this is going to be BJ's... Somebody's going to be knee-deep. That's that's it. And and right now, we are one nation under a groove, brother. Don't you forget that, all right? So this got to be BJ's theme song, I guess. Oh, man. I'm I'm stuck in that era. It was great music. Just great music. Great music. The funk is back, baby. The funk is back. There it is. See? See, BJ BJ would like to come to some of my concerts sometimes. You're old school funker. There we go. We'll put you on the... Oh, man. Gotta have the funk, man. Gotta had a funk. Oh, see, we're not faking the funk here, BJ, as you know now. See, as you know. All right, man. So uh this play-in tournament, let's let's I'm gonna break this down. We've done it a couple times here, but as it is approaching, let's let's go through this nonsense. All right, so we have the seventh versus eighth seed playing one game. Now in the West, it'll be the Lakers and Golden State tomorrow. The winner of that game will be the seventh seed. The loser is not necessarily eliminated. Then we've got the ninth and the 10th seed squaring off also tomorrow, Memphis and San Antonio. The winner of that game will play the loser of the Laker and Golden State game. The winner of that game will now become the 8th seed. So, And we're going through this again tonight with the Wizards and the Celtics playing the 7-8 game situation over in the East. But it's not a single game elimination. If you lose, you still got another shot. So it's a little bit crazy. Tell me how you feel about this play-in tournament from a player's perspective. Well, from a player's perspective, you know, it, this is tough. Because give those teams credit, the 7th and 8th seeds, you know, normally under normal conditions or how it has been done traditionally in the past, those teams are in the playoffs. They get, at, at the very least, another four games potentially seven games and an opportunity to advance. But now you're in the seventh and eighth seed. You know, you lose one game or you lose two games, you're out. So from a player's perspective, you know, this is tough. This is this is this is tough because, you know, now all of a sudden it it, it feels more like an NCAA type tournament. You know, one game can really change or the direction or more importantly, you could be out you know, you can be out, you know, with no opportunity to advance, you know. So, um, but as a fan, you got to love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about the games tonight. I'm excited about this plan. I, I think the NBA, Adam Silver and the NBA had to do something. Uh, I don't know if this is the perfect formula to solve the problems of tanking and 
resting guys and load management and all of those things. But I think overall, mission accomplished. We had competitive basketball down the stretch, and we got some excitement. I mean, we're talking about the NBA season late in the season with everyone still playing with their key players because the play-in game has ramifications. Who makes the playoffs had ramifications. So those teams 10, well, really those teams 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 basically had to continue to play because those were very meaningful games at the end of the season. Okay, so I'll say this, though. I'll, I'll take the other side of this. Because from a rest perspective, we saw Steph Curry rest the other night. We've seen LeBron James, you know, nursing injury, and you know he hasn't played. There have been a lot of guys who have still rested. So I don't think the load management thing has really been any different than what we've seen. And then you know the thing about the seven and eight seed, I think we're talking about it, BJ, because it's the Lakers and Warriors, and we want to see that. But really, who is really talking about San Antonio and Memphis in a nine ten game? And and good luck telling me who the 9-10 game is is over in the East. Uh, I just don't think that people really care about that. And then from this perspective, too, I think that really, let's talk about the wear and tear, if you're a player, that this is taking on the 7th and 8th seed. Because like you said, it could be a, a one-and-done or, or two-and-done situation here for these guys. I see a lot of wear and tear down the stretch of a regular season, like, say, the Wizards, for example, who they're fighting to get in here and they made a miraculous comeback. And then now, what happens? If you survive the end of the regular season, you went on this you know, great winning streak, so to speak, or won a majority of your games, now you got to come in here and win a couple games. What do you get for this reward of being the eight seed? You get a well-rested, number one-seeded team. So to me, it's, I don't think it's going to cure anything of, of having upsets in the, in the first round. I think maybe it piques our interest you know, because, okay, we've got a couple games here at the end, but how much interest really would there be if it wasn't Lakers and Warriors, which is kind of an anomaly? Well, you know, I I think for the pure basketball fans, I think there's a lot of interest because the games will have to be played differently, right? You know, normally you're you're used to watching a game in a seven-game series. And more times than not, the better team will win because you got to win four out of seven. These one-game eliminations, basically what they are, these one-game tournaments, you know, two one-game tournaments, anything is possible. And, you know, if the Lakers, let's say the Lakers lose, right? Let's say the Lakers lose and suddenly now the Lakers could be playing as an eighth seed if they win, uh, if they beat either San Antonio or Memphis. You're talking about some real excitement. You're talking about the Lakers potentially being an eight seed, and they probably, if they were to win that game, they probably will have an advantage as the eight seed going into the playoffs, which would make it very interesting. So I think this is a very interesting concept. I, I, I love the fact that you know you're looking at a young player like a Lamelo Ball suddenly is playing in the big lights, a meaningful game as a rookie. I think this is very meaningful. I, I I love the fact that Washington had a horrific start at the beginning of the season, and suddenly they end the season with an eight seed, okay, with the possibility of potentially being a seven seed. I mean, what what a tremendous and, and you know you talk about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal now in the playoffs against the Nets. Offensively, who doesn't want to see that? Who doesn't want to see Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving? I mean, come on, this is like a basketball. 
offensive, you know, dream. Like, you're going to see great basketball. So I think the excitement is here. I think the adrenaline of what these one-game tournaments bring is here. And more importantly, it just gives the fans, in particular the fans, very interesting storylines, ones we haven't seen before in the NBA with these one-game type tournaments. So I think it's terrific. Now, BJ, obviously the NBA planned on doing this during the season because there were fewer games than normal. They were trying to get a little bit more excitement, give the fans something here. But are are they kind of flirting with something here that could kind of backfire for them? Because we know that in the NBA, just like every sport out there, it's all about TV ratings and the revenue and everything else that's there. And by having the Warriors and the Lakers as a 7-8 and eight seed, you could potentially be knocking LeBron James or Steph Curry out of the playoffs before the playoffs start. And I'm not sure that the uh, TV networks would be happy to see that happen. Well, I, I, again, I think when they set out to do this, right, when they, with this play-in situation, the NBA had to do something to get everyone to put – emphasis back in the regular season so i think mission was accomplished so look whoever expected to have the la lakers you know raise your hand if you right. said the lakers right. would be in the seventh or ac when this was all said then raise your hand right we're talking about the defending nba champions for crying out loud so i don't think this was the intent i don't think the lakers expected to be here i don't think anyone certainly myself Experts, people who you know closely follow the NBA, expected this, but now I think people will have a visual of what could be. And now, all of a sudden, instead of taking rest during the regular season, those games are meaningful games. Which, to me, that's what it's all about, right? You you, you never know what can happen, injuries or what have you. So I think the NBA has accomplished its first goal was to how to get people to play and not rest and load manage and all the other things that you're starting to see now, what to make the season, the regular season be a meaningful games. Those 82 games are very meaningful. I know they only played 72 this year. So I think this is a great first start. Is it perfect? No, but I think they had to do something. So from that standpoint, you know, I think now it has everyone's attention because if the Lakers don't make the playoffs this year, that's a huge headline. And I can guarantee you the emphasis on the regular season will be much different next season than it was this season. And I think the the thing here is, too, that it's kind of a mute point right now. Because if the Lakers and the and the Warriors fall out of here, they're, they're, then, okay. Well, only one of them can because one of them is going because one of them will win that yeah, first game. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is... If, if it's San Antonio or one of these guys upset and then say the Lakers are out or the Warriors are out, then it becomes a whole different story. It, it, then it goes like, wait a minute. Now, you know, if you just had it regular, we would guarantee that we would have LeBron James and Lakers in a series, the sevens playing the two, and the Warriors would be playing the number one seed and with a chance, with both those teams, a chance to maybe pull some upsets and go deep into the playoffs. Right, and, and, so, that's, and that's why I mentioned the fact, too, right. that it could blow up. Obviously, nobody right. saw these were going to be the 7 exactly. and 8 Exactly, that's why I said anomaly with that. Yeah. Here. But, but it's just interesting that it's like something that they did for the fans and to create excitement could, in a, in a way, kind of blow up a little bit in their face just because it's 2021 and it's a different world out there. Right.
Right. <laughs> it is crazy. B.J. Armstrong joins us, uh, the three-time champ, and also front office executive with the Chicago Bulls. As we're talking a little NBA play-in tournament here. All right, B.J., give me a prediction here. Uh, Memphis and San Antonio. Let's, let's talk about these games that we're going to see tomorrow night. Uh, uh, who, do, who do you like in this you know, one-and-done situation between the ninth and tenth seed? Man, again, you know, the, 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 it makes it real tough because now you're talking about one game. Um, and it's, you know, I'm not used to watching the pro game where you just say one game, you know, seven game series, you know, but you can kind of, you know, follow the, the storylines or what you see during the game. I'm going to say the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm just going to say John ja Morant, I think, will. You know, he'll have an opportunity, but it's a, it's a, it's a guard game. Uh, I think DeMar DeRozan is playing spectacular. He's been playing terrific basketball all year. But if you had to ask me to choose, I'm going to go with the, the Memphis Grizzlies in this uh, 9-10 matchup. All right. All right. And let's talk about the Warriors and, and the Lakers. Break that down. Well, you know, like it's going to be real hard to bet against LeBron James, a healthy LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. I mean, the fact that they are the seventh seed, it's just like comical to me because I can't believe that somehow once LeBron, you know, he did get injured, that they fell that far. Um, you know, they were talking about the defending champions from a year ago. And this is a very dangerous game for the Lakers because we know LeBron James won't be 100% healthy. And in a game like this, anything has happened. Anything is possible in particular when you have a great player who has been playing at a high level in Steph Curry. Steph Curry is very capable of going for 40, 50, 60 points at any given moment. So I'm going to say the Lakers, um, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be very cautious going into this game because you're talking about one game, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, it could re-aggravate something. Someone could get hurt, bad shooting night. Great shooting night for the opposing team. You get you start getting contributions from people you didn't expect, and in any game like this, anything is possible. So I'm going to say the Lakers, but I will not. I will not, you know, just write off Steph Curry and company because you know he's been playing terrific, and he's a great enough player to where he can carry a game or two in a series, let alone in this type of play-in situation. Yeah, I mean, as much as I sound like I am against this this whole f- format, and again, just you know, maybe something new here, I am going to be watching this game, and I'm highly, <laughs> highly interested. And again, love Steph Curry, and uh, I would love to see uh, them pull the upset in this game uh, against the Lakers. Again, I, I would be, it, it would be really bad. For me, I would much rather see Steph Curry uh, in, in, in a series probably than LeBron James and the Lakers. You know, for me, I, I love Steph Curry and what what he is doing and what this team has done. BJ, as we know, I mean, they weren't picked to do anything this year. Of course, with the injury with with, with Clay Thompson, of course, Kevin Durant gone, and you know, not knowing what you're going to get out of Wiggins and company. I, I will say, Curry MVP year. Draymond Green has done his thing. This Warriors team, I never would have anticipated this team being 39 and 33. Well, you know, Steph Curry is every you know, small guy's dream. I mean, he just runs around and shoots threes. I mean, he, I mean, I would love it. I mean, every anyone who's played the game, any guard would love to have the opportunity to play like that. I and mean, you, I mean, the guy just like catches and pulls. <laughs> he just shoots from anywhere, and the offense is literally ran for him, by him, to him, and uh, he's fun to watch. He's been, you know, as you mentioned, he's been terrific this year. 
And most, imp- and most importantly, he has been very impactful in, you know, how they played. And he's put this team in a position now where they have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. So, um, you know, you de- we didn't know what to expect, especially now that Clay is gone. Kevin Durant, you mentioned, is gone. He's, he's not there. But give Steph credit. Steph was phenomenal this year. This year. I thought Draymond was, you know, Draymond and the other guys filled in. So I think this is arguably one of Steve Kerr's better coaching, uh, you know, years because of the roster that he has, the injuries, COVID, so forth and so on. And somehow, some way, they are around, uh, you know, playing to get into the playoffs with this roster. So, and it all starts with Steph Curry. I mean, he was, he, he's been great. And uh, without question, he is, his name is definitely mentioned in the MVP race. Do you think the Phoenix Suns, uh, do they have a preference of who wins this game tonight? Because the winner will be the team that takes them on. And in Utah, obviously they could potentially play any one of these four teams. Or do both of these teams, Utah and Phoenix, say, look, with the seasons we've had right now, we're just ready for the playoffs. Bring on who's ever the opponent. Well, you know, let's start with, you know, with the number one seed, the Utah Jazz. I think the Utah Jazz, um, look, I think it's going to be tough for them no matter who they get, right? They're, they're either going to get LeBron James, which is tough. I mean, they could be the number one seed and be not favored in the first round of the playoffs. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's more that's, likely that's they, will, they will be the underdog. That's true. They will be the underdog. They could be the number one seed, home court, yeah. best record in the league, and be the underdog in the opening round against the L.A. Lakers, okay? So we that's, that's where they're at. And then if that – is not good. Then you can, then you can say, okay, well, they get Golden State. Golden State probably is the ideal team for them, or not for them, depending on you know what lens you want to look for, because you're going to have screen roll fifty plus times with Draymond Green, Steph Curry versus Rudy Gobert, whomever, and they're going to put Rudy Gobert in. And pull him away from the basket. Now, that to me is a matchup nightmare for Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz because Rudy Gobert can't afford to just sit in the back and rim protect with, with against Steph Curry. And we know Draymond Green is a phenomenal screener. So I think they're. I think both teams provide, you know, a really bad matchup for this Utah Jazz team, no matter how you look at it. And I think that's going to be a bad matchup for them. On the other hand, I think the Phoenix Suns, they're just happy to be in. I mean, it's been quite a while. It's been over, what, a decade since they've been in the playoffs or something. So I think this team, along with Chris Paul's experience, you know, Monty is probably coach of the year, if you ask me. And I think the the Phoenix Suns are just ready to play. I think they're just ready to get in. I'm, I'm excited to see how Devin Booker responds. I'm excited to see DeAndre Ayton. And I really like this Phoenix Suns team. And Phoenix Sun, the Phoenix Suns right now, they, hey, they bring it, whoever whoever's there. And I think they have the physicality. I think they have, you know, a, a great young team. And I think they have a veteran in Chris Paul who is primed, and he's been in big situations before. So uh, I like the Phoenix Suns team, and I don't think they matter. Yeah, I think they match up both well with the Lakers and uh, the Golden State Warriors. So I think they, they are ready to go no matter who they have to play. All right, uh, B.J. Armstrong, the point guard, the sharpshooter himself, joins us. B.J., before we let you go real quick, we know we had the uh, Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony last weekend. Don't know if you caught any of that. The class of 2020 with Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, yep. Kevin Garnett, Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, the women's side, Kim Mulkey, uh, Eddie Sutton, Tamika Catchings. And then uh, the 2021 class for this year was announced 
Browns with Paul Pierce, Chris Bosch, Chris Weber, and Ben Wallace, to name a few. Uh, give us uh, some thoughts on any one of those uh, guys or a quick take on, on the, the class of 2020 or the upcoming class of 2021. Yeah, well, congratulations to, you know, this past class. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, you're just talking about, like, marquee players. You're talking about NBA royalty, the late Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and that whole class. I mean, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal class. Uh, But this past class, 2021, you know, shout out to uh, Chris Webber. And, uh, you know, being a Detroit native myself, I'm so happy for him and his family. I thought that was phenomenal, phenomenal for him. A long time waiting. I mean, he's without question had a Hall of Fame career, one of, if not, you know, one of the best players to ever come out of the state of Michigan, right? And we've had some great players to come through there, but he's been, without question, one of the most accomplished players. So congratulations to him. And and the second one, i just say Ben Wallace. You know, Ben Wallace was an undrafted player, and whoever would have thought that Ben Wallace would end up in the Hall of Fame? And he's one of the best defensive players that I've ever had opportunity to play against to watch, to witness, and he did it right there in Detroit. You know, he, 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 you know, he embodied everything Detroit is about. You know, he's talking about talent, you know, toughness, and what he did on the defensive end. You know, he could fit right in into any era, you know, that 80s, 90s era when he did play. Uh, he fit in beautifully, and what a tremendous accomplishment for him as an undrafted player to all of a sudden now to find himself in the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to all, but in particular those two. All right, and so many of those guys that you uh, played against as well, too. Had some great battles on the floor, and uh, obviously a lot of respect there as well from you. All right, brother. We appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, enjoy your basketball uh, tonight and through the weekend. It's playoff time, man. Uh, and no one knows it better than you. So, uh, <laughs> man, we're looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, we'll, 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 uh, everything's about to start tonight. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be watching, and uh, maybe we'll check in next week. All right. Keep the funk alive, brother. We're keeping the funk, Keep the alive. funk alive. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yep. Take, take care, man. That is B.J. Armstrong, the three-time NBA champ, also a broadcaster back in the day after he retired uh, with ESPN and executive with the Chicago Bulls as well, So, and now a player agent as well. So talk about multifaceted uh, and the depth and the knowledge he has about this game and a great player as well, too. Yeah, he certainly won some championship rings, and he was a big part of that Bulls team. Maybe doesn't get some of the credit that he deserves. And, boy, if you're Utah, you could play any place from LeBron and the Lakers <laughs> To the Spurs. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It is crazy. Bizarro world is still there. We are in an alternate universe. All right. Our number two on the other side. Hang tight with us. Steve Sachs will join us. We'll talk some Major League Baseball. Plus, when we come back, Vegas Golden Knights in a must-win situation. Game number two tonight of the Stanley Cup playoffs, round one.